0: That's a bit better now. It's good to be with you all again this morning. Quite short notice, but yet we're here to worship our great God. I bring you greetings from Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Placerville. If you haven't visited us yet, which a lot of you haven't, shame on you. I've been here a ton of times, and not one of you have come to see me. It's okay. If you're ever up in Tahoe or up in the foothills, please stop in and see us. You'd be made very welcome. Um, We are a small congregation, a bit like yourselves, although this morning you guys are kind of busting at the seams, which is glory and praise to God in and of itself. But I bring you greetings, and we're here to do what they're doing up there, and that's worship our great God. So as we do that, let's do the very thing that you guys have just sung. We all love tunes, but how often do we read the words? We just sung about God's law, Following his statutes and obeying his commands. And that's this morning what we're going to do as we look at Psalm 119. So if you have your copy of God's word, please open it to Psalm 119. We're going to read together the first eight verses. Psalm 119, beginning there at verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Amen. This is God's holy word. Let's come to him now in a time of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you, our great God, on this your day to now come around your word and be fed from it. We thank you this morning that we can come to God who in his kindness has given us his word in our own language that we can read. But we cry, O Lord, that you would send forth your spirit, that we would understand it as well. We ask, O Lord, that you would give us discerning eyes and ears in these days for your word, when it's being trampled underfoot and being pushed aside, we pray, O Lord, that we would be like the psalmist and that we would love your law, that we would love your Word, and that we would live our lives by it. We ask, O Lord, that you would send forth your Spirit in abundance and power, even the saving work, that many would come to saving faith, even this day, through the hearing of your Word. These things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen. I'm sure all of us, if not most of us here this morning, are familiar with this psalm. I'd kind of like to read it all, but we'd, your dinner may be burnt across the way, but we're not going to do that. We only read the first eight verses. You know indeed that it is the longest chapter in the Bible. You know it's one of two psalms, or if you didn't, you do now, that it's one of two psalms devoted to the subject of the Word of God. The other one being Psalm 19. Kind of easy to remember since the numbers 19 and 119 are a match set. So if you ever want to learn about God's Word, there's your two Psalms. And this Psalm, as I've read it and studied it, is so vividly clear about the true Word of God. I've always wanted to preach this Psalm, a little bit about me, but I've always been daunted by it. It's the biggest chapter in all of the Bible. At first glance, and second glance, and third glance, it kind it it seems a little bit repetitive. But man, in these days, do we not need that repetitive Word of God. There have been entire books written about this one psalm itself. Probably the well, most well-known one that many of you, I'm sure, will have on your shelves is Charles Bridges, that 19th century Anglican who wrote and devoted that exposition of Psalm 119. It's an endearing value, this book. Its promises are rich. And even Spurgeon wrote that Bridge's work in the 119th Psalm was worth its very weight in gold. Luther said that he would not exchange one letter or leaf of the 119th Psalm for the whole world. Now, when you hear those, sometimes as a preacher, you're kind of left standing going... Wow, should I even attempt to do that? But what are we missing in these days? How can we, as God's people in these days, have the same thoughts and intents about the Word of God as they did in days gone past? What Psalm 119 this morning, and if I get to come back, Lord willing, will give us an investigation of mental and spiritual help. Where is it found? The Word of God. It's consistent. Its meanings are deep. Its applications are so relevant to today. And yet, how often, if we were to go into various churches this morning, would this, and more importantly this, be cast to the side? Puppet shows balloon modeling, all forms of whatever you want to call it. I would call it something in Irish, but I won't because we're in the house of the Lord. But it's blasphemous. This is what we're about. The psalm itself is both a meditation on the Word of God and a summons to meditate. You're familiar, I'm sure, with that famous verse of Psalm 119, verse 97, which I learned in Sunday school, oh, how I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. That word meditation or meditate occurs numerous times throughout this one chapter. And what's more, as we remember the psalm and those meditations, this is God's Word that we are meditating upon. But every one of the verses that we read speaks of God's Word in various ways. Children, you can read through it and find them, but here are some words that you can look for. Statutes, rules, commandments, words, precepts, testimonies, promises, and so on. This chapter draws us back to the place where we all need to be this morning, and that is God's holy Word. Psalm 19 was written to show us how we can receive the maximum blessings in our lives as we live here. These 176 verses of this psalm are longer than some books of the Bible themselves. Psalm 119 could be called the gospel of the undivided heart for God's way. The real blessings of life come from keeping the law of the Lord and loving the Lord off the law. And every possible need we that we may have here today or as we leave through those doors, God reveals in His holy Word that He will meet those needs, that He will help us through them by His holy Word. This morning as you have that book on your lap, do you treasure that book more than anything this world has to offer? You see, heartfelt fellowship with God is enjoyed by a love for God's Word, through which God communicates and communes with us by the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why we prayed for the help and the aid of the Spirit to come along us. So our psalmist delights in the fact that those who walk in wholehearted obedience to the law or the Word of God are what? They're blessed. This prompted him to become more obedient to God's commandments so that what? He might follow His ways. And then this man of integrity gave thanks that he could learn more and more about God and all of his statutes. You see, lovers of God's holy words are indeed blessed because they are preserved from defilement. Look at verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. They become holy in their actions, verse 2 and 3. They are led to follow after God and integrity in verse 2. This holy walk that we speak of this morning is to be desired because of what? Because God commands it. Verse 4, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. And when we do that, our devout soul prays more and more. Verse 5, oh, that my ways may be steadfastly kept in keeping your statutes. This is a glorious psalm to be read, understood, and meditated upon. And so this morning, I want to open this psalm under three headings. First heading is, the blameless of God are blessed. We see that in verse 1 through 3. Then secondly, the blameless become blessed in His ways. Verses 4 through 6. And then point three, the blameless resolve to obtain the blessing, verse 7 and 8. And I'm going to pause and do something. I'm getting blown to smithereens up here. That feels better. (laughs) Okay, point one. The blameless of God are blessed. Okay, verse 1 through 3. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, whose walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in His ways. The psalmist here is enraptured with the Word of God because the highest ideal of blessedness comes from being transformed by what? His holy Word. He is gazed upon the beauties of the perfect law, And he exclaims what we find there in verse 1. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, whose walk is in the law of the Lord. Verse 1 begins as so does Psalm 1 that you guys have just sung with the pronouncement of a blessing upon that undefiled. Those who are blameless, those who are upright, those who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessedness doesn't come from anything in you. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're already starting to get puffed up, let me get that little pin and burst your balloon. There is nothing in you. You are vile. That's where we start this morning. The lowest of the low. But blessedness comes because of the grace of God. And that comes upon those who live according to God's word. Not your words, not your next door neighbors, the guy up the street, God's word. Blessed are those who walk life submitted to God's true revelation. Notice that the holy life is a walk, it's a steady progress, it's a maintained advancement, a determined endurance. The Christian life, brothers and sisters, is not a sprint. It's not a dash. But it's a hard, difficult, two steps forward, three steps back. Five steps forward, four steps back. It's that continual enduring to the end. It's not a, Lord, save me, boom, everything's great. No, it's a day in and day out difficult walk. How often we live in days when people are, you look at them and you think, is there anything wrong with you? The Christian life, boys and girls, is hard. It's difficult, but yet it's the best walk to be on. You see, that word blessed is the plural of fullness, meaning it's overflowing. It's an abundance of blessedness. It's not just one little thing, it's multiple things. It means to be happy or, or overflowing with happiness. This morning, do you feel blessed? Or are you sitting there moping and sorrowful? This morning, I ask you, where is your joy? You see, it's a high degree of blessedness. Blameless, literally, is the complete or having integrity. This is what will happen to those who make the Word of God the center of their lives. This morning, if you seek to be blessed or happy, walk in the Word of God end off. Let it be a delight to you. Let it be that thing that you yearn and you desire to have. Unlike the television shows or the movies we watch that sometimes leave us thinking so empty. And after we finish them, our minds are like numb. And sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but you sit there and you go, what in the world have I just watched? There was time that I could have had spent in the Word of God, and that Word of God will bring us satisfaction to where our souls. This blessing doesn't come on, on us because of a grim duty or because of legalistic external performance. Those were the Pharisees. Verse 2 very quickly immediately adds, How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. The word testimonies is derived from that legal term meaning witness. It refers to God's precepts which bear witness against sin on behalf of holiness. We are to observe or to keep or preserve or protect God's testimonies with all of our heart. Not just a little bit, but all of it. Do we keep God's law? Do we keep God's word? God's blessing comes from a combination of external obedience and internal affections. We're not only to seek God's will, but we're to seek God himself with all that we are, with our whole heart. Psalm 111, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. That's you this morning. But did you come here with a whole heart? Or did you come here half-hearted? Kids are running amok. You're trying to get them out the door and your head's all over the place. Listen, I have a four-year-old redhead. If anyone can sympathize with you parents, it's me. Okay? And we come here and we're flustered and our minds are all over the show. We're thinking, man, I should have walloped his rear end, but I didn't. And then we come in here and we start talking and our minds go everywhere and we, we say how the week is and we sit down and suddenly we're in the presence of God. We have to prepare to meet our holy God. Man, I can't believe how you read Leviticus this morning. Thank you, brother, for reading the whole thing. God is a good God, but He's also a just God. He's a God that made the Israelite people prepare for the day that He would come and see them. That is the Sabbath day. He asked them to prepare this morning, church, Merv. Okay? Do we prepare adequately enough to meet our great God here as a congregation? Do we come with our whole heart? Or do we come going, well, it's what I do on a Sunday. We should be coming in through those doors, as it were, on our tiptoes, floating on air, ready to meet our great God. You know how often we come in Flat. And the world has taken its toll on us, and we're depressed. Brothers and sisters, this morning, you have the greatest gift that God gave after His Son on your knee right now. Are you joyful for it? What is the great commandment say? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That should be the practice and habit of our lives As believers that we love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. I confess there's times I don't. There are times when these things are dull and our hearts are cold. Perhaps we've missed a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon service. Perhaps a brother has been trying to get in contact with us and sit down and read and pray with us and we've pushed him off and our hearts become cold and we don't love God with all of our heart because we know that we are sinful people. This morning I urge you, repent and run to the cross. If you're sitting here this morning and that, that book that's in front of you is literally just a book with words, then read it. Learn from it and see Christ in it and run to the cross. Seek forgiveness for your sins this morning before it's too late. You see, a benefit of seeking God is found there so clearly in verse 3. Who also do do no wrong but walk in His ways. Men of of integrity and women of integrity are here described in both what they don't practice and what they do practice. They do not practice wrong, but instead live as God's Word requires. If we walk in God's way, sin will be banished from our lives. Now, just hold on before you run down the road too far. Notice it says God's ways. Not our ways. Our ways are not God's ways because of why we are still sinful, fallen creatures, but we must press on by faith in the Word of the Spirit of God and He will enable us to walk in His ways, not perfectly. Here comes that penny gain. Think you're perfect? Pop. Low. On the ground, sinful. I am not saying that we will be sinless because we cannot be this side of eternity, but we will be more aware of our sins and more on our knees repenting for those sins the more we are in God's holy word. So this morning, if you're sitting there all puffed up and your chest is shot out, and perhaps you think, wow, I'm such a good person, you're not you're sinful, you're wicked, and apart from Christ, you'd be going to hell. Think of your own walk, individually, not as as a couple, not as a family, but you, yourself, alone. You can think back in days when your heart was cold and your mind was numb. Perhaps you got through the day are halfway through the day, and the kids, those children who we love and we cherish, have annoyed the life clean out of us. And we're at our wits' end. Remember, four-year-old redhead. We fought with our spouse, that person who you gaze into their eyes and call all beautiful. Perhaps half the day is gone, and you're at your end with each other, and you're going, and you're all mad. And you stop and you think. You've gotten halfway through the day and you haven't been in this. You haven't been in God's Word. You haven't prayed to God and the day, as it were, has unraveled in front of you. Brothers and sisters, we need to be in the Word daily. Not just on a Sunday, but daily. We need to be meditating upon this Word daily, you mothers. No greater calling in this whole world than to be a mother. And if you've got little ones, you know how busy life can be. You know how hard it can be to have time in the Word. Can I encourage you this morning? Two or three verses but meditate upon it. Feed upon that Word throughout the day. Don't beat yourself up as I know one lady does when she doesn't get time in the Word as long as she would. Feed upon it as long as you can, and then meditate upon it. That is what the psalmist is saying, that we can meditate upon the Word of God throughout all the day. You husbands and fathers, Feed your wives through the Word of God. Have family worship. Bring your kids in. Sit them down. Open up God's Holy Word and feed them from it. Church, always have the Word of God in the center and nothing else. In a day when other things are being elevated which are good in and of themselves and the Word of God as a Word is being pushed down and they're being raised up, Take heed. Be aware. Be warned. There is nothing above the Word of God and that alone. So be careful. Be on your watch. You shepherds of this congregation, be aware. The Word of God is the last Word. It's the Word that we funnel everything through and nothing else. Yes, there are other things to help us and aid us, but always, always bring it back to the Word the Word of our great and holy God. So I charge you this morning, mothers, small but often, fathers, much and give it to your wives. Fathers, give it to your children. Church, give it to the congregation. And then church, as you guys have just prayed this morning, take it through those doors and take this holy Word farther than these seats. That's your call. That is what God has called you to do. Do it. Because this word is so important. Secondly, the blameless become blessed in his ways. Verses 4 through 6. This wholeheartedly seeking after God is to be grounded in his revelation. Nothing else but his Verse 4 says, You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. God's command is to keep. It's a command. It's not a, if you'd like to do it, go ahead. You know, if you feel like it, you know, do it. No, this is a command. God is commanding us to keep or preserve or protect His precepts. Not half-hearted. Not if you would like. Diligently. That word diligently means greatly, exceedingly, mightily. Are you keeping God's Word greatly, exceedingly, and mightily today? We're to go after God's Word without reserve or with total affection to God's Word. Listen, there is no accidental keeping of God's Word. We must strive to keep His precepts. In all places with all integrity towards all men. The God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has commanded us to live by his word that his light might enter and chase out darkness also. We're to go after the lost. We're to seek in the highways and the byways those who we need to show Christ to. That can be difficult. In a day when everyone's so easily offended, and they say, well, you can't say that to me. You can't tell me that I'm going to hell. God has commanded us, commanded us to keep His precepts diligently. We're weak. We're weak Christians in these days. We need to strengthen up. I've even heard someone saying we need to man up. There are men and women who are dying in their sins. Boys and girls who are perishing in their sin. And we have the remedy. If your next-door neighbor got bit by a rattlesnake, what would you do? I live in Placerville. We get rattlesnakes. Not that that should put you off if you ever want to come visit. Okay, there are none around our church or my property. We're all good but if a rattlesnake bit your next-door neighbor, what would you do? Would you go inside and shut the door and go, nah, they'll be all right? No. You'd pull out your phone, you'd call 911, you'd get that person to the nearest hospital. Your neighbor has been bit with sin before he was even born. Bring him to the hospital of the church. Invite your neighbors and your friends to church. Invite them to Bible studies. What's the worst they can say? No. We have the remedy in God's word, and yet we hide it. Our saltiness and our light has become that thrown to the hell and dark. We need to be man and woman in the word, and then we need to be men and woman off the word. We need to take this word to those who are in darkness, those who are outside of the kingdom of God. Brother, I don't know where you were, but you wept when you heard and you prayed for the lost and those who are outside of the kingdom. That is what we should be. We should be weeping over lost souls. What did Christ do when he looked over Jerusalem? He wept. But God must give the desire for obedience. God must place it within our new man, within our inner being. Why? Because our natural way is against God. That's why your neighbor will probably say, stick your church, I don't want to go there. That's his natural way, but keep Adam. him. Later on in the psalm, the psalmist will pray, incline my heart to your testimonies. His ways are normal, or his, his acting of his life is to be that of the testimonies of God. We're to do that for the purpose of obeying God. Think of the driver. You all drive cars, trucks, vehicles. A driver who ignores traffic signals is an accident looking for a place to happen. Anyone cheating on a red or stopping stupidly on a green is a danger to himself. I can laugh because I just rolled through a stop sign about two days ago. Never seen it straight through. Although a series of red lights can be a pain when you're eager to get to your destination, that accident can be an even greater pain. When those two cars collide, there's a lot of trouble. God's Word has red lights that we need to stop and look upon and learn from. They are the prohibitions against envy, against pride, against hatred, against irreverence, against lust and selfishness. When the Holy Spirit, as you read the Word, has those lights flash up, what should you do? Not sail on by, but pull on the brakes and stop and think and ponder. Likewise, as we move into the heavy traffic of daily living, we must quickly respond by obeying those green lights, those signals of kindness, of humility, of love, of worship and purity. God stops and starts are designed to help us and eat us. Those signals of Scripture, those verses that warn and encourage are meant for what? Our protection. Both in the negative and in the positive. Correction and direction. We as, as Christians should be so fearful of ignoring our, com- our, 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 our of a command of Scripture as we are of running a red light. Man, when I ran through that stop sign, I got the shakes because up the road was a cop sitting. Are we as fearful of ignoring God's command as we are as breaking or running a red light? might sound futile, but think about it. When you see the red light, do you go, psst, I don't care, I'm going to floor it. No, if you're wise, you'll hit the brake and you'll slow down. So is God's Word. Please, brothers and sisters, slow down. In a time when everything is sped up, I'm about to throw Comcast out the door if they call me one more time. Would you like to increase your internet speed? No, I wouldn't. I've already told you four times, no. But they want quicker and quicker and quicker iPhone 14. Those of you who have an iPhone 13, it's probably not going to be good enough come October. Why? It's too slow. It's not. But yet we live in an age and in a day when everything has to be right at our fingertips and we blow through life as quickly as we can, not with the Word of God. Please stop, slow down, and read it. You can't keep these commandments in and off yourself. Here comes the pen. Pop, it's nothing in you. It's all of God. It's against our nature to do these things. But yet through the, through the saving work of the cross, we, we should be doing these things. We should be crying on for the help of the Spirit. Coming from Northern Ireland... I am an American now, so I can't say that. But as an Irishman, the Holy Spirit in reform circles across the way, I don't know about here, was always pushed away, fearful. The Holy Spirit is sent to help us. And yet we're so fearful of crying on to God and saying, Send forth your Spirit, we need the help of God. Oh, that my ways were directed to your statutes. But through the help and the aid of the Spirit, they are and they can be. Nothing in you. If you're sitting there this morning and you think, man, I can keep these commandments, take heed. When we keep God's commandments, verse 6 then becomes very evident. We keep those statutes steadfast. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. Once that commitment has been made, once we are saved by Christ, then we should live unashamedly before God. Who cares what man thinks of you? What does it matter if your neighbor thinks you're a fuddy-duddy? If you don't know what that is, come talk to me after. Just yesterday we sat down as men in our own church and we were starting to go through the Puritans and how they were teased and abashed and, and abused in many different ways. And yet, when we read yesterday, they were normal men just like us. But yet they had their eyes fixed upon God, which made them different, which made them stand out. You see, one reason perhaps why we don't delve into God's Word and we don't seek the Word of God as we should is because we see ourselves in the light of God's Word and we're ashamed and we're we're embarrassed by what we read because some of the things pertain to us. Calvin taught that the law of God is like that mirror. James 1.22, we look in a mirror, or a mirror, sorry, a mirror, that thing that you'd look at. We see ourselves. Now, at a quarter to six in the morning, that's not a pretty sight. But when we look in that mirror through Scriptures as we really are, we see how sinful and wicked we are. Red light, warning, stop, take heed. The law shows us our sin and our disobedience. This is meant to lead us not to despair. We shouldn't be pulling our heads out, but what is it to do is to drive us to our knees in repentance. The law is designed to drive the Christian to Christ. The law the law of God has that connotation of that big stick. It's like that jockey on a horse. He has that whip, and he keeps whipping. Or like the farmer when he's driving his cows back into the, back into the, the parlor to get milked at night, we had a bit of blue alkothene pipe in this length and we'd whip them in the bum to send them on. That is not God's law. It is not there to beat us. That's farther from the truth. Listen to the words of Thomas Manton when he says this. Here is the caution. Red light. Here is the caution to God's children. The less respect you have to the commandments... The more, the more shame will you have in yourselves. Particularly in obedience breaketh your confidence and overclouds your peace. Therefore, that we may not blemish our profession, let us walk more exactly. End quote. God's laws are not to beat us They're to drive us to Him, to show us how unworthy we are, except through Christ. We need to be those who love the law, those who love God's commandments. This evening, or sorry, this morning, I ask you, do you love the law as you should? Or do you cringe against it? Are you fearful of it? And I ask you, run to the Saviour. The law of God should be our delight. It should be our portion. It should be everything with Christ. Do you love the law? Do you love God's Word? Do you love His precepts? Do you meditate upon it? Answer that question in that mirror this morning. Thirdly, and very quickly... The blameless resolve to obtain the blessing, verse 7 through 8. You guys have done it this morning. Can I exhort you as a congregation for your singing? You guys can sing very well. Keep it going. You children, learn the words, learn the tunes and sing. You are a singing congregation. And that's spoken of here in these two verses when, when it says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I, lean, when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. You see, that journey from commitment and prayer to recovered praise is not difficult. As we are transformed by God's Word, as we have that Word wash over us, it says, the psalmist says, that he will thank or give praise to a God with an upright heart. You see, learning is not only intellectual. As we are instructed by God's Word, it should become a, we should become people of praise. As you read God's Word and as you see how good a God we have, it should cause us to praise Him and worship Him. Perhaps if you're like me, you don't have a very good voice. Sorry for those who are in front of me this morning. I just belt it. Whether I've got the tune or not, I don't really care. That's why I didn't sit at the back so you'd all hear me. Sorry, brother. But perhaps this morning you feel somewhat limited or or deficient in your ability to praise. Perhaps you think praising is just all about singing. It's not. Can I encourage you to do what the psalmist does here? That is, learn the language of praise by doing what? Repeat the phrases and the Psalms. Some of you may not know, but a few weeks ago, my wife buried her grandmother. And up till the very end, she was as sharp as a tack. Man, she was on it. She couldn't sing. She hadn't the volume to do it. Plus, like me, I hope they never watch this, but she didn't have the voice either. But what did she do? She recited the words of this very psalm that we're learning this morning. She opened her Bible. She started to pray to God, and she read those words back to God, praising Him as she did it. I'm sure some of you here in the past or maybe in the present are memorizing Scripture. Keep it up. Encourage one another as you do it. Brothers, seek each other out. Keep each other accountable. Sisters, you guys seem to do this a heck of a lot better than us men. Keep each other accountable in memorizing God's holy word. Do it together. This book of Psalms will become that wonderful part of your devotional life. Practice that language of praise just like the psalmist Pray these things back to God. That is true worship. We must learn to praise our great God. Spurgeon says this We must learn to praise so that we may praise and then praise when we have learned. Learn and praise and then go back to learning again and then praising. And it just keeps on going. Verse 8. It's kind of that bringing us back to reality moment. But it's that calm commitment to God to keep His Word. And it's that admission that God must enable one to do it. You cannot keep God's law or God's Word by yourself. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. That word statutes comes from that Hebrew warning meaning to hew or to cut, engrave, or inscribe. This morning, do we cut and engrave and inscribe God's Word upon our hearts? Or do we read it and then just go on about our day? The psalmist says, do not forsake me utterly. Do not leave me to my own strength. Do not leave me to my own way. Why? Because then I'm in big trouble. We need the help of God to do these things. And so in closing, this psalm was written from the perspective of the ancient Hebrews but it contains vital significance for us, these us new covenant Christians. This first stanza that we've looked at this morning enables us to be obedient and learn how to be obedient to His Word and nothing else. Not the thoughts in your mind, not the latest Facebook post, And not even the words of your favorite and darling preacher that you would listen to. Yeah, you heard me right. We all have that preacher or one that we love to just go on YouTube and listen. And we come become numb to the things that they say. Why? Because we think they know it all. They don't. Kyle, no offense, neither do you. Neither do I. Neither does John or Gary. And neither do you sitting there. Be like the Bereans. What you hear, take it back to nothing else than the Word of God. As you listen to those men preach, just don't take it as if they are God themselves because they are not. Be Wary. People are subtle in what they say and how they say it. And suddenly our minds can be like them and we become conformed to them and not the image of God. I'm urging you this morning, be careful. As I preach, as Kyle preaches, as John or Gary or whoever stands in this pulpit, test them against the Word of God. And if they go against it, grab them by the scruff of the neck and throw them out those doors. Brothers and sisters, be aware. There are wolves walking around in sheep's clothing. There are ministers who open up God's Word who should not be allowed to have your ears opened. As us men prepare to open up God's word, your job is to sit there and test it against Scripture. Not to nod and agree with everything that we say, but to challenge against it. Now, hear me well. I don't want whatever number of people are here at the door, you know, lambasting or pointing the finger this morning. That's not what I'm saying. Draw us along, draw alongside us, talk to us. Okay? We're infallible men. We're only men. Test these things against God's Word. Nothing else, okay? We need to conform our lives and our families and our churches to God's Word alone. Not what the church up the road's doing. Not what we think we should have. Not what we'd like to have. But what God's Word tells us to have. You see, those who are truly blessed, those who are happy and content in the Lord, or those who have been redeemed from sin and death, transformed into new creatures, and transferred into the kingdom of Christ, is that you this morning? If so, then you are a blessed person. Live your life like it. You see, that transformation is not possible outside of God and God's Word alone. We need God's Word. We need help from other things, but ultimately, this is what we need. The Word of God, the Bible, is the vehicle to God Himself. Not the many other aids that men men have written in days gone past, but God's Word, the Word of God, the Bible, is the vehicle to God Himself. We cannot worship, we cannot please, we cannot obey or adore or honor or serve Him without His Word. Why do we neglect His Word in our pulpits? Or why do we neglect His Word in our homes? To neglect the Word of God is to neglect the God of the Word. This morning, let us be in the Word. People off the word. I want to ask you, how is your walk with the Lord? How is your time of devotion with God? Are you even opening up God's word throughout the week? If the Bible and your phone are beside your bed tomorrow morning, what will you pick up first? If there was a fire in your home, what would you grab? Your iPhone 13 Plus? or the Word of God. We need to treasure God's Word. We live in a day when God's Word has been trampled underfoot, not only by the people outside of these walls, but also not inside these walls, but other churches. I told my own congregation that I looked up some churches in our area And they'd love for you to sign up to a balloon modeling contest on a Sunday morning at 11.30. They would like you to come along and see Coco the Clown come in and and do a little sketch for you. We need to treasure God's Word with all of our lives. Everything that we have. We need to take a stand for the things contained in God's Word. Remember that the psalmist, that, 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 that the God that the psalmist writes off here, is our God. The one who we've come today to worship, that is our God. God is a God of grace. God will not give up on us, even when we perhaps are ready to give up on ourselves this morning. I urge you, cry on to God. Cry on to God as the psalmist does, and he will hear you. He will answer your prayer, perhaps not how you might think, or perhaps not how you would want. We must be men and women of God's Word. Stockton, are you? Church, are you? Men who lead this congregation. Are you men of God's Word and God's Word alone? As I prepared this sermon a few weeks ago, it struck me that I don't meditate or perhaps memorize God's Word as I should. I'll open up my Spotify and a song comes on and, oh, I know every word, know every lyric. And yet if I was to close my Bible right now, could I recite those first eight verses? I could because I'd be memorizing it, but could you? That's my charge to you this morning. Be men and women of God's Word. Be men and women who meditate upon God's Word. Be men and women who encourage each other by God's Word and God's Word alone. Amen. Let's cry unto our great God. Heavenly Father, we come before you clothed only in the righteousness of Christ. And we come before you this morning and we need your help. We ask, O Lord, that you would help us to be men and women. Men and women who are off your word. Men and women who meditate upon your word. Lord, I pray for the men who faithfully lead this congregation who are men of your word, and I ask that you would give them courage and boldness in these days to preach God's word. Lord, take away any fears that they might have or any fear of man that might hinder them from saying the truth. Lord, help them to be ministers of the gospel of truth. I pray for this congregation that you would help them to be hearers of that truth, Help them not to push against it or to revile against it, but to embrace your law and your commandments just as the psalmist said with all of our hearts. That your law would not drive us away from you, but your law would actually bring us closer to you in these days. Lord, we ask for fathers and mothers that you would help us to teach our children your way. Help us as fathers to have family worship on regular occasions. Help us to bring our children to the means of grace as often as we can, that they can hear this word not only through our mouth, but the mouths of others. Lord, I pray for the mothers of this congregation that you would help them. Give them time in your word. Help them to meditate upon these things and encourage their hearts by it. Help them not to beat themselves up or to be despondent, but to read your word and and to be encouraged by it. Lord, we do pray for where you've placed us in this west coast of America. We do thank you for faithful churches up and down it, that you would help us in these days to be churches of your word. May it be that it would be front and central to everything that we do, that as we do it, we would return you praise for the great God that you are. Lord, be with us now. Take us to our homes and safeties. Even help us as we eat together in fellowship and then... We do pray for the service this afternoon, that that, O Lord, would be an encouragement to the congregation here. Help the preacher of your word, fill him with your spirit. May he bring it with power and with authority that can only come from you. And may he decrease and may you increase. And may the people of God worship and praise you for who you are. These things we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen.